so without further ado, we want to get into our uh, study today called The Nature of God. While it is very true that there are millions of people in this world today that do not believe that God even exists, this is so much against my thinking process, I'm not even going to entertain such thoughts and deceptions. There are also those who believe and worship idols and deities that have no significant values in this writing. Man has the ability, because of his fallen nature, to imagine and mentally create anything that he desires as long as it makes him feel good about himself. Satan has so contaminated this world we live in with his sin and with his evilness, the longer man stays out of the divine spirit of God, the eviler he becomes. It should be noted here that every human being that is on this planet has an opinion of what they think, of what they need, of what they want. But their particular opinion does not matter unless it is backed up with the facts. We must remember now what a fact is, okay? So let's look and see what is a fact. Well, a fact, number one, is something known to be true, okay? And number two, it's truth or reality of something, the truth or actual existence of something as opposed to the supposition of something or a belief about something. So in this truth, this fact, we're looking at the facts of the scriptures. And we know they're facts because they're coming true. I just said here, the truth of the fact is the reality of something coming to be. So the fact of it is the Bible predicted something to happen and at the precise time it was supposed to happen, it did happen. And man can dream up all the things that he wants to in the world and, and create whatever he wants to in his mental image. And he can uh, excuse away why things are the way they are and why that particular thing happened. The, the planets were just in the right position and so forth and so on. And that's, uh, I will call it hogwash. The facts of the scriptures are the scriptures and that's the word of God. And if people don't uh, believe it, that's what the Bible said. It said people, everybody's not going to believe it. And the Bible said that. And so the truth of it is that people are not all believing it. So some people have a problem with the Holy Bible being the real word of God. And may I say, first of all, the Bible, as well as God, is believed through faith. The faith comes by the hearing of the word or reading the word, which is the Bible. This means that the ability to believe the Bible and in God is gained through the reading of the Word. The excuses of men about the Bible is that simply this. The Bible was written by man and not the true Word of God. Well, then I asked men, how do you know that? How can you prove that? What's factual about that fact? You can't prove it. You're only going by a theory that you have based on what you think you know. And this is a number one lie that Satan feel, uh, feeds the world. This is a lie from Satan, people. This is what Satan does. This is his living. This is how he gets by with his evilness. He lies and feeds people lies and deceptions. I think it's amazing that the very lie that people believe is in fact foretold in the scripture of God's word hundreds of years before the idea even came to man. Huh? That's probably some people saying, what? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verse 3 and 4. Now this is the, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He says, But even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, lost, unbelievers, if you will, whose minds the God of this age, who is Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Okay? So Satan is the God of this world. And he's got it set up so that even if you wanted to, to know about Jesus Christ, uh, you couldn't do it unless you uh, specifically put your mind to it and willed yourself to do it. God says if you will yourself to seek him, that he will be found. Now, this was written on or about A.D. 60 and is stated by the Apostle Paul, as I just said, who actually saw Jesus on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 19. So when we have an eyewitness of something that was happening, what do we call that today? They're, they are an eyewitness. They witness the fact that what is said is true. Paul witnessed that Jesus was who he said he was and that Paul met him not only on just the road to Damascus, but Paul spent three years with uh, with the Lord in the Arabian desert as he was taught the new gospel of God, or not the gospel, but uh, the, the grace of God. He was taught about how the grace of God was going to be shared with the Gentiles and that through the death, burial, and resurrection of believing on Jesus Christ that people were going to be saved through the grace of God. Having said all that above, I want to attempt to explain about the nature of God, okay? Uh, I feel, first of all, whatever you might think of God, you should dismiss it. Mainly, this is meant to the unbeliever. Un unbeliever. If a person's listening, you're an unbeliever, you're not sure. Whatever you've been told or whatever you think that you know about God, you, I wish you would just put that in a spare room and shut the door for right now. And let's look at this with a new look. You that believe understand this concept about God already. God is the I am that I am. To take this to the next level, we will have to visualize God as always existing. He always existed. If you would close your eyes for a moment and imagine yourself to be in a spacecraft and somewhere on the other end of the the universe, wherever that is, and realize that through our education today and modern education and what we've seen on uh, the television and what we know through uh, uh, rocket travel and space exploration, that the universe is millions and billions of light years. Light years. That's how far light travels in a year at 186,000 miles per second. Okay, I don't. It's like something like 6.7 trillion miles in a year. Well, there are billions of light years. The universe is so massive that it cannot be measured. Okay, accurately. We think we can measure. We think we know all these great things, but we're not sure. And God says that He always was. God created all this. God is it. God is his creation. He says, I am that I am. Well, this chapter is about the existence of God. 
but not about, excuse me, not about the existence of God, but more about the nature of God. Now, we don't understand where God came from or how he came to be. We, we don't know that. We may never know that. It doesn't matter. God's who he is. We don't question the creator with the created. If you think that you have uh, volatility over your life and you have some power to control your destiny and so forth and so on, when death comes to you or you uh, have an accident and, and, and you harm your body to the point that it dies and no longer lives, you die. You have no control over that. When you were born into the world, you didn't have any control of where you were born. Yet God knew exactly where you were going to be born. God has a job for each and every one of us. Each individual person, God has a destiny for, for us and that a purpose for us. And it's our job to seek him to find our purpose and to accomplish what it is that he has set before us. So God's nature is his nature. And God's nature cannot be changed. Now, he does not have the power to, to change his nature. God has the power to do all kinds of things. He can create the universe, create the, the, uh, the, uh, the planet Earth. Uh, he can heal the, the sick. He can raise the dead. He raised Jesus from the death, uh, dead. He, he uh, did all these great things that he can do with his power. But guess what? He cannot change his nature. God is who he is. So what is his nature? His nature is holy, holy, holy. There is no sin or contamination in his nature. He is perfect in all ways, sense and fashion. There's nothing out of place with God. We need to realize that. He does not have, he did, like I said, he didn't have the power to change his nature. We do not know how, where, or when God originated. The fact is that God is the power of creation and holds the very existence of all that we know in the palm of his mighty hand. There's a, a verse in the, the book, the lost book of the Bibles. I can't remember which uh, where it was at right now, but I want to think it's uh, in, a, in the book of Adam and Eve, or it may be in the Gospel of Nicodemus, but uh, it's said in there that if God turned his face away from his creation that it would fall apart that just him looking and managing it through his thoughts and his his uh, vision of looking upon it it keeps everything in its perfect order so God can never be questioned by anyone now Moses confronted God about the Israelites in the wilderness and God changed his mind about destroying the nation of it and what happened was God was uh, kind of tired of those Israelites complaining and, and grumbling all the time. And he told Moses, he said, look, I'm just going to destroy all these people and start over. And Moses confronted him and said, Lord, you can't do that because you promised this and that. And you said you were going to do this and that. And, and because of Abraham and so forth and so on. And God changed his mind and said, okay, well, we'll I'll work with them. So, but God didn't change his nature. He just changed his mind. There's a great difference between these two. His nature can, cannot ever be changed. That's the meaning of the statement, I am that I am. I am who I am, and that is who I am. The beginning and the ending. Listen, world, there's no explanation ever for this holy statement, who is God. There's no explanation. Uh, in my first book that I wrote called Christian Letters, I, I had a chapter in there called Who is God?, and it, the harder I tried to explain God, the further, uh, 
away from it I became, I think, because there's no way to explain who God is. So I try to, to tell people that God is, is, uh, God is God. He's all loving. He cares and loves you. He's the greatest power in the known universe and the known existence of man. He, he, he's the power of, of creation. Everything listens to God. The tornadoes, the hurricanes, the weather, the earth, the trees. God said in the book of Ezekiel that he told the mountains to release their waters so that they could uh, irrigate the land of Israel to bring forth the fruits of the trees. He told the earth to bring forth. God is creation. And he loves us. He loves us. And we really need to grasp that for what that really is. The Holy Bible is the only divine book in the existence of the world as we know it that is full of prophecy, predicting future events that are to come true. And may I say they do come true just as predicted. Now, I always have a good example here that I just, I just referenced the book of Ezekiel. And I want to tell you that Ezekiel was written 2,600 years ago. 2,600 years. And around Ezekiel 36, 37, and in that area, it's predicted that Israel will come back to their promised land, which was in the Middle East, where they are today. And this time, they will never, ever be removed again. The Bible says that they're going to come back to this land, that they will... Uh, God's going to gather them back together into Israel. They did that in 1948 in our lifetime. Isaiah predicted 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus that he was coming and all the predictions about Jesus came true and all the prophecies that Jesus was to fulfill, Jesus fulfilled all of them and they're in the scriptures. Jesus completed the mission, the job that God gave him, and God was satisfied. Listen, folks, God was happy and satisfied with the job that Jesus done. I want God to tell me that he's happy and satisfied with what I did, with what he gave me, and says, come into my presence, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I want God to say to me. I don't want him to say, depart from me for I never knew you. That's what he's going to do to the people that's not written in the book of life, the land's book of life, that their sins are not forgiven. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire because God can't have sinful souls in his presence. He's made a way. He's made a way through Jesus for forgiveness and to come to him through uh, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and that's all there is. There's an ancient scroll that's, that tells uh, of the Messiah, the Redeemer of man, coming in 5,500 years from the time of Adam and Eve. Okay, this is just what I referenced earlier. It's the book of Adam and Eve, book one. God told Adam in 5,500 years he would send the Redeemer of whom against you sinned and was cast out of the Garden of Eden because of this sin. It was Jesus Christ is who God was talking about. God's nature is a nature that is hard to explain, to say the least. Because of the evilness of this place we live. Now, let me say this. If you're saved and you know Jesus Christ, when you die, your death in your physical body, when your body dies, it's going to release your soul and spirit into the hands of God. Immediately, when your body dies, God doesn't work through a horse and wagon 
okay like when you die you know six years from there you're gonna uh, you know your little car to carry me over there and I'll, I'll be with God as soon as you close your eyes in death you open your eyes in the presence of God it's just that simple if you do not know Jesus you will open your eyes and you will be in the fires of hell because you won't be able to be in the presence of God because God is holy and cannot have you in his presence because you're full of sin <clears throat> Satan has so poisoned, okay, that's, that's what I said, he has poisoned and contaminated the creation of God, but we must understand this one fact that is so simple to see. God is the creator, and we are the created. This includes Satan and all the angels. Scientists today are studying the possibility that there's another dimension or dimensions that we cannot see or comprehend, and they don't realize how correct they are. There is only one problem. They will not be able to prove any of this they, they think in their theories until after they die, and then it won't matter anyway. This is all foolishness in the eyes of God. I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again. God is from a diff different dimension that is utter darkness to us. In the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, it states that it was dark, and then God said, let there be light first process of creation he had already created the angels and so forth including lucifer before he brought the light so they were all created in the dimension where god originated this creation that we call earth and the universe was a special creative process for god and lucifer knew god and his holiness and from this knowledge came sin lucifer for some unknown reason, raised himself up and decided that he was going to be above God. This was a disobedient act against God. This is what we said a while ago about the origin of sin. This is where it came from. And this is the first sin. This was Lucifer's sin that he created and brought into God's creation. The creation of evilness that was a direct insult on, or assault on God, of God, and who he is. Evilness and sin had never been before until Lucifer rebelled. That's what I had said earlier. God knew about it. He knew that sin, what sin was. God knows all things. But it was never in God's domain for, for others to know until Lucifer brought it to light. God's nature is as such as holy, 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 and absolutely pure. God uses all sorts of ways to bring forth his divine plan of, of which no one knows or understands. And it says, you know, God's ways are mysterious to us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And God knew Lucifer was going to rebel. That's right. God knows all things. Lucifer's actions did not surprise God. And God might have said, and I said this earlier, and, 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 and it's in this uh, chapter here, uh, for this very purpose, I created you and lifted you up so that I might show and demonstrate through you, Lucifer, my grace and love, and I will lift up my divine and holy name and glorify myself that the whole world that I will create will know me. The Bible tells of these types of examples of God raising up powers and leaders so he could glorify his name in the earth through his power of a strong arm in judgment. The Pharaoh in Egypt is one such person when in conflict with Moses and Israel.
in Romans chapter 9, verse 17, for the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Another example is found in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 33, or 23, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my own, my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in your or you in you before their eyes. So God is saying that he is going to bring his name, the glory to himself, after Israel has slandered him, profaned him in his name. Ezekiel thirty eight, God says this I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord. This is Ezekiel 38, verse 23. This is during, after the great battle in Ezekiel 38, 39 war with, with the uh, Magog and Gog and Magog. And if you've never read those two chapters, I invite you to do so. Uh, that's where we are in the history of the world today. We're waiting for this war to take place. And John 3.16 tells me that God so loved the world, and we do without any special thought think of God's love of mankind. When I say God so loved the world, people think all the people in the world God loved them. Well, that's true. He does. But there's more in the world besides just humans. And a lot of times we miss the mark when it comes to how much God cares for all things in his creation. And that his nature of who he is shows his compassion and love for all his creation. The Bible teaches that God cares about the sparrow that falls, and how much more does he care about us? The nature of God shows his love for all things. He brings rain for the plants. He provides through creative rebirth the food for the fish of the, of the sea. And I could go on and on about his love and his grace. The nature of God is to bring glory, honor, power, and holiness to himself, through himself, and by himself. Okay, let me read that again. The nature of God is to bring glory, and honor, and power, and holiness to himself, through himself, and by himself. His nature also demands worship and praise of thanksgiving, from mankind because of his love, grace, long-suffering, and compassion. God loves and has compassion and long-suffering towards us, mankind, and we are to praise him and worship him in thanksgiving and praise because he is God. God will receive the glory for all that he does. Man will not receive the glory for what God does. If we try to do anything to bring glory to ourselves, we fall short. It has to be, it's about God and about Jesus Christ. It is not about us. We are mere people to God that God loves and he cares for us, but we're not to receive the glory for what God does in no way, shape, form, or fashion. Why did God create man to begin with? 
I think some of these questions have been answered already, but we'll look at some uh, avenues of explanation. God knew he was going to create earth and the heavens from the invisible to visible. As we said earlier, Lucifer and all the angels had already been created. God knew that Lucifer was going to fall to the evilness that entered him. And then we might ask, did God give Lucifer the thought of disobedience? I don't know. I, I figure God is, uh, God is God. He's a creator of all things. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways. I, I have no idea. But now we must realize that God is a jealous God, and he is quick to anger And when it comes to his deity and recognition. I don't know if God would let Lucifer be disobedient like that when, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, this is my idea about the situation. I do, I do know that God's nature is not one of dishonesty. God created man as a type of second angel, small in greatness and great in smallness. So if God knew what Lucifer was going to do, then earth and all God's creation was created to show Lucifer God's power and God's great love. God will in the end judge and place Lucifer and all the fallen angels into the lake of fire and brimstone. Unfortunately, there's going to be the followers of Lucifer and they too will believe the lie and deception Lucifer is famous for and they too will join Lucifer and the other angels in the lake of fire. God is the only power through Jesus Christ to defeat and place Lucifer in this proper place. Lucifer has lost the battle, and God has lifted up his name on high with honor and glory. But at this time, it is only with the heavenly choirs. In the book of Revelations, God lifts himself up and glorifies himself above and beyond heaven, and now to the earth and mankind. He will demonstrate himself as a great I am. God is using the fall of man to demonstrate his great power, his great love towards man by glorifying himself by defeating Lucifer. For this purpose, Lucifer, you are raised up for this demonstration. And we ask ourselves, can this be? God is God. He does not have to explain himself to anyone or to anybody. He does what is his pleasure but his nature keeps him free from sin and free from dishonesty and all the things that we uh, do every day. God is exempt from all of this, cannot have anything. That, but it's only because of Jesus that we're even able to say that we're the children of God. Jesus gave himself on that cross. He defeated Satan and took away the keys, if you will, to, to death and to Hades. And he accomplished all that God set forth for him to do to pay the price for the sin debt that we owed, that we would never be able to pay. There's no way that I can ever be good enough to stand on my own and get into the, to the uh, kingdom of God. There's no way. If it had not been for Jesus, none of us would be able to get there. Well, thank you today for joining us. And once again, it's uh, time to close our, our service for today. And we thank you for your faithfulness and listening to us. And I hope this, all this is a blessing to you as it is to me to, to do it. And, and I get a lot out of this. And by me uh, researching and doing the studying to present these studies, I also strengthen my own spiritual nature and my faith 
grows because of what I do. And I thank you that you are faithful in listening, and I pray that it's a blessing to you. And may God bless you and all of yours is my prayer. And let's have a closing prayer. Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity that it is to be to uh, study your word and to present to the congregation, the people that are listening to this, Father, that you love them, that your nature is of love, that there's no sin or dishonesty in you, and that your nature is who you are, and that you have no power to change. So in saying that, that today you're God, tomorrow you're God, and the day after that you're still God. You love me yesterday, you love me today, and you'll love me tomorrow. You save me in through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You save me when I repented of my sins, and I will be saved into eternity. And Father, I will always be grateful to you for the salvation that you showed and gave to me for the great love that you offered to me and my family, that you put a hedge of protection around me and my family and you keep us safe each and every day. And Father, I thank you for this. Now go with us through this day. Bless each one that's in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.